welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Stephen White. Stephen, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing all right. Ready to? It's. I mean, I guess we're in the Super Bowl window now, but it's really, it's really going to get amped up in earnest next week. Are you ready for it? Ready as I ever be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it's not you know, a rivalry game or anything like that. These teams, I'm not even sure how many times they've played each other, but um, so there's not like, you know, these storylines that kind of jump out at you, but that's kind of the fun in in, um, a week like this is getting to know stuff that you didn't know where these teams had in common and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, Because once you dig far enough, you'll find some connections. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to kind of breaking down both both of these teams' films just to kind of get a feel for which one I think will have the advantage on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it, it is kind of funny, like you mentioned that, because like I feel like that with the Patriots, it's sort of like I don't know, and and it's maybe just my read on the vibe. So that could just be you know that's probably not the most definitely not the most accurate read on things, but like. There's just it's just sort of like oh hey the Patriots are back you know great I mean you know. <laughs> Patriots at a Super Bowl imagine that this is their seventh with Bill Belichick at Tom Brady <laughs> seven Super Bowls since what the two thousand since January February two thousand two that's pretty amazing I mean, it's incredible because keep in mind now um, the whole point of free agency was supposed to stop teams from being dynasties yeah. Um, so, I mean, that along with, you know, allowing players to get paid, but, um, the salary cap I meant was, was a way that was supposed to be able to equalize everything. And so I guess all things being equal, that shows you how much better Bill Belichick is than everybody else in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that, that approach. I mean, you, you know, obviously it's been talked about before since, you know, this is the seventh time we've been able to talk about the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But, um, yeah, just, you know, the guy's approach to the game and game planning and players and film is really just like, I mean, I, just, I can't even, I'm strapped for an analogy, believe it or not, even a bad one for, uh, <laughs> for what that's like, because it's just I mean, the dedication, the preparation that goes into it is really amazing. Right. And just the way that they do things and, and they're so consistent. Yeah. And, um, you know, we overuse the word genius a lot nowadays, especially when it comes to coaches. But when it comes to Bill Belichick, I don't think that's a strong enough word because he, you know, here's a guy that basically his system is whatever it needs to be that particular Sunday. Right. Like he from week to week, he can just totally flip his game plans instead of, you know, most defensive coaches just like to keep things the same. You know, you have a little tweak there, maybe add a blitz, maybe take a blitz out of the game plan, but you usually want to be pretty consistent because that's easier. You know, now guys are doing the same thing week to week to week. That's easier to coach. But to have these guys ready week to week in and week out with the way he changes these game plans and to see it work as well as it has without a lot of star power on defense. I mean, how many guys on that defense can you even really name? Yeah. You know, so, um, and, and some of them were cast offs. Kyle Van Noy wasn't working out in Detroit. They, they were about to call him a bust. Yeah. And he's now he's making key plays to get them to the Super Bowl. So, it, it, you know, like I said, that's one guy that, you know, you might not like the fact that the Patriots have won this much. You might, uh, you know, think they cheated the whole way through. But somehow, some way, <laughs> this dude has just, he, I mean, he's, He's a genius. He's Master. a genius. You know, I, I don't give a shit how much film, secret film you watch. <laughs> I mean, you still can't put together the kind of game plans he does from week to week. You can't. No, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, he's a master of situational football. And, like, you see that, like, everybody has a laugh because, you know, like, he goes through those press conferences and it just sort of all – grunts and monosyllabic answers but then when you you know somebody will ask him about long snappers or you know 
like some kind of weird special teams play that you see once every five seasons. And like he goes on and on because he knows that. I mean, just like he can, I mean, he can recite that stuff. Like, you know, kids could recite lyrics. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy to think. I mean, I've covered the NFL now on a full-time basis, not very long by most standards. I mean, just, you know, six years. And it's just like, I can't, like, it's hard to remember everything that happened this season. But, you know, here's a guy that can remember, you know, the best snaps a long snapper ever made in his career. I mean, it's just <laughs> to be and, and you able know, to have probably, that knowledge. You know, he probably doesn't even trust his memory. He probably has it jotted down somewhere, too. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he's the type of person that just jots things down constantly. So he's always remembering stuff. So he's always learning from stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, everything about the way he's uh, coached their team since he's, he was named head coach in New England has just been astonishing. I mean, he's, he's I mean, I, people always bring up Tom Brady arguing he's the best uh, quarterback, you know, and then other people bring up Joe Montana, of course. But, I, I, you know, I'm not sure that Bill Belichick isn't the best head coach this ever been. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, when you really sit down and think about it, uh, Bill Walsh and all those guys, you know, uh, you can talk about them and you can go back further, you know, with the Green Bay Packers and, and all those head coaches. But to do what he's done in this era of the salary cap and free agency mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a, a, a small market team, basically, you know, where they can't, you know, I, I won't say they can't, but they don't normally go out and spend the big dollars to bring in the big free, free agents. And to be this consistent, consistently good, and, and this many Super Bowls is just, <laughs> you run out of superlatives, basically. Yeah, you really do. It's a, <laughs> it's just something else. Did you read that article yet? It just came out today, so you might not have had a chance yet, but I got distract I, all, all the stuff to do on my plate these two weeks i i got it it was really engaging which speaks i guess how good it was but like it was about the how the patriots negotiate with players and if you haven't read it you definitely got to, it's by robert klimko over the mmqb and it's fascinating because it's that same sort of belichickian approach to it where you know the the cap negotiator guy comes in and does the bulk of the work and then like Belichick kind of chimes in at the last minute. It's like, well, do you want to win a Super Bowl or not? And then they kind of like, um, <laughs> I mean, they won't like Tom Condon, like, you know, Tom, they blacklisted Tom Condon. I mean, you, you know, you think about how many players and the caliber of players that are on Tom Condon's roster in the NFL. It's pretty, I mean, to be able to do that and win the way you're winning is pretty incredible. But yeah, you, you definitely have to check that out. It's really fascinating. It's just like, the Bill Belichick, he's just like that savant. You're not sure whether he's like, is this guy an asshole or is he just a weirdo? <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the agents called him an asshole in that too. So. Right. I'm, I'm looking at the quote right now. In Bill's world, if you do what he wants, he likes you. says one agent who has known the coach for decades. If you don't, you're an asshole. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, exactly. And then that whole that that the whole thing where he flies away on vacation to, during negotiations in, in the free agency <laughs> period, and then just calls in at the last minute and be like, "Well, do you want to be a Super Bowl winner or not?" It's pretty fascinating. And um, it works. Yeah, it, it works. hell yeah. <laughs> Remember that whole antidote with Chris Long, where he's like, "I was really thinking about retiring if I couldn't go play for the Patriots." Yeah, he said he was playing for them for five dollars. I'm not really sure about that one, Chris, but, you know, it sounds yeah. good. <laughs> I'm saying you want to go there bad, but not for five hours. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> as one who, as Kirk Cousins said, you got to do it for, uh, it's not, it's not that you want the $5. You got to do it for everybody else, man. Um, Speaking of coaches, I guess, you know, Dan Quinn's a pretty interesting coach because, Dave kind of, you know, he's done a lot with the Falcons over what this is. I, it seems strange to me that, but this is only his second year coaching that team. Yeah, it does kind of seem like it's been longer than that, doesn't it? Yeah. But I mean, um, 
Because, you know, I think maybe it's because for the Falcons, like, in 2015 was kind of like two different seasons. They started off hot. I think they won, like, the first six games. Everybody was hyped about them and everything. And then uh, I think the running back gets hurt, and all of a sudden they fall off. So then uh, they don't even make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think, you know, they went from everybody believing in them to everybody being like, ah, they are who we thought they were to begin with. And so this season has just been, you know, kind of – I think a lot of people had written them off this season. I'm not quite sure if we had. I can't remember my discussion about them in the preseason, but um, just, you know, they, we weren't sure what they could be uh, with Dan Quinn, especially when you look and Gus Bradley is struggling so mightily in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, he's going to have to play a lot of young players and, you know, you know Maybe the Seattle system didn't work everywhere. It doesn't have the kind of talent they have on defense. And so they had a lot of question marks. And then, and then I mean, to turn around the way they have and, and, and uh, play so well and beat, you know, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers looked like he was just unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of, you know, it, it, it kind of gives you a, a sense of how quickly he's turned everything around for them. Yeah, it's really uh, because at one point I was thinking, you know, they started four and one, which they so it wasn't, you know, quite as hot as the five and zero start last year, but a pretty good start nonetheless. They lost to, and at one point they got to, they lost that game to the Chiefs, and they were seven and five, and it was like they're a good team, but they're not, you know, are they really like? Eh, remember, I mean, because remember for a while there the AF or the NFC South kind of opened up. I mean, it wasn't like they went from having that thing on lockdown to it being kind of a race at the end there. Yeah, the Bucks were in it, I remember, at one point. So Yeah, and then they won their last four games to close out the season. And, and I think, too, when you look back at it, I think one of the questions we had, I was just kind of trying to think back a little bit to what we were talking about with them during the preseason. But one of the things was we there were question marks about the defense, obviously. I mean, it's not a group that has a lot of like, you know, you've got Beasley. But, you know, it's not a group that's just like, you know, even the Texans were like, you can point to Clowney or Merciless, even with J.J. Watt injured. You know what I mean? But that defense got a lot better as the season went on, too. They really did. They um, they had three rookies that, that really played well for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and you know, Keanu Neal looks like he right he might really be the second coming of Cam Chancellor. So I mm-hmm. mean, that kid knocked the crap out of you. And so, um, things, like I said, um, he just you know they, they drafted well, brought in Muhammad Sanu, uh, brought in Taylor Gabriel, who you know didn't look like all that much. In, in Cleveland, you know, it's a deep threat or whatever, but, you know, now he's a bona fide option in that offense too. And, you know, Tevin Coleman came around from that first draft. And so, all you know, all these guys all of a sudden just really uh, picked up their game and played better. And Vic Beasley, you talked about him, you know, all of a sudden he turned everything around from last year. You had some guys, you know, trying to call the guy a bust. Yeah, <laughs> after one season. season. <laughs> and now he leads the league in, in sacks. You know, that's a hell of a turnaround. And and you got to give um, at least partial credit to Dan Quinn because they moved him to a different position. Mm-hmm. And he flourished it. So. Yeah, and there's uh, been some talk. Like, I, you know, I even saw so – I, I guess Belichick talked about it the other day too, how this is, you know, like he – and I saw people joking about it on Twitter too, which was – you know, just like how Dan Quinn is the one. Dan Quinn and Gus Bradley were both tried to implement the Seattle defense, and Dan Quinn did it, and Gus Bradley did, you know, whatever Gus Bradley did. But uh, it's it's kind of funny because, you know, I think you could make the case the Jaguars obviously had a lot more talent on defense than the, than the Falcons, or a lot of teams did. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. Um, I, but not, but now what I would say is that um, the difference to me is that Dan Quinn wasn't stuck on trying to force the whole Seattle defense thing. Like they played a lot of cover three, um, four man rush, 
But Dan Quinn also isn't afraid to blitz, you know, because, you know, basically they have to. Because mm-hmm. you got Vic Beasley, who's leading the league in sacks, and then who after that? You know, and then they lost uh, Claiborne, uh, who was one of their better uh, interior pass rushers. So, um, you know, they by necessity have to send blitzes a little bit more than, than Seattle usually does. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he found a way to, um, you know, merge the two of being, you know, a fundamentally sound cover three base type defense, but also mixing it up a little bit with some pressures to, you know, just to compensate for the fact that his, his uh, defensive line isn't of the caliber of the Seahawks right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. But it, uh, it's found a way. I, I wonder if that's how the Patriots attack approach them like that. How do you see that? I mean, how does that, how do you like, I know you, you know, you still got to kind of get in and do some more film, looking at some film and stuff, but how do you see the game plan playing out here with these two teams? Yeah, I, I can't say it. I really can't. Uh, I, I haven't watched nearly enough film to kind of figure that out. Um, I was actually in the process of watching some um, right before we started. And, um, you know, again, some of it is that, like with Belichick, he usually tailors his game plan for that specific opponent. And now that he's going to have two weeks to prepare, I mean, that's that's like so much time. Yeah. So whatever he did this week against Pittsburgh, you might not see any of that against Atlanta. And so it's so hard to see. I'm going to try to, you know, see what he's done against Atlanta historically or, you know, that type of a team historically um, and kind of, you know, guesstimate (laughs) what I think he'll do. But I just don't have a clue right now. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to get in. And talk about this more as they as you get in and get a closer look at it. I thought they did. I mean, obviously, you mentioned the game against Pittsburgh. They did a pretty good job shutting down Antonio Brown in <laughs> Poutgate. The resulting Poutgate we got out of that, which I think if you looked at the you looked a little closer, that reporter that reported Poutgate wasn't quite as accurate with the. She had some alternative facts. Let's say. I, I, you know what? I missed this. What, what is Poutgate? I, I well, I, that when um, D'Angelo Williams scored that touchdown <coughs> against the Patriots, and um, supposedly Antonio Brown was open in the back of the end zone and wanted the ball and didn't come up. And now this is, I mean, if this doesn't tell you right away, this is one of those dumbass manufactured scandals um so supposedly Antonio brown didn't come up and celebrate the touchdown with him which it was just d'angelo williams and the offensive line some of the offensive linemen like it wasn't you know the quarterback wasn't in there or anything like that um and so he went he, he was the last one off the field and he came over and was pissed off about it and was kind of pouty and they had to talk to him about like, hey, it's not about the stats. You've got to come, you know, you just got to get out there and play. Well, when you, you look a little closer at the whole situation, Antonio Brown wasn't open in the end zone <laughs> on that play. Because we, we looked at the all 22 when this first came up because mm. apparently there was some pushback to that report. And it was everyone kind of, you know, everybody – PFT and a couple other sites got it posted real fast, like, oh, Antonio Brown's pouting again, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and you go back and look, you look at the, we looked at the All-22, and you look at the film of the reporter, and she's talking about, like, well, from what I could see, from what I could see on the sidelines, it was, ah, not what somebody told me or what a Steelers source told me, but from what I could see on the sidelines. So it was like, ah, pout game oh, is kind boy. of a sham. And oh my gosh, I can't believe we live in a world where a wide receiver wants the football. Yeah, who ever heard of such a thing? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I never. I mean, come on, man. You gotta, I mean, you gotta look at it from a, a wide receiver standpoint. They cannot contribute unless, like, a bunch of other people do their job. You know, with the with the running back, 
you know, even with a bad offensive line, some some running backs can still look good. All they have to do is get the handoff. Yeah. But for a wide receiver to look good, the offensive line has to block, the quarterback has to see them, and they have to deliver a good pass. Also, that wide receiver can showcase himself. Yeah. And so, you know, of course they want the football, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to win. That's just I, I, <laughs> I hadn't heard about this, but I did kind of see some stuff about people piling on on Antonio Brown all of a sudden. And, it, you know, I'm wondering, you know, is his contract up or something? Is it time to renegotiate his contract? Because if it is, that would make a lot of sense. But even still, it's just absurd that people are trying to, you know, you're tearing them down to a Facebook Live video? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, come on. Don't we have better things to worry about right now? I know I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. (laughs) We all got. My God. Yeah, it was just one of those, you know. And then the Roethlisberger retirement thing came out and everyone clutched some pearls about that. And I told people, I, I don't, I mean, I think that's just a guy that's 35 years old and feeling the pangs of the regular season and, and talking out loud as opposed to anything like I, before I uh, would hang the goodbye bin banner in Pittsburgh, you know? Yeah. And you know, when you lose a game, you know, you tr- they would have taken you to the Super Bowl. You you all of a sudden have kind of irrational thoughts. You yeah, know, oh, I don't want to go through this again. Yeah. So um, you know, it, it, I think it was just something he said in the moment, but you know, he he'll be fine once once his body heals up and everything like that, and you know, you start seeing the new players they're gonna get um, through the draft and free agency. I think you know he'll definitely come back. Yeah. I mean, it's only only thirty five, which isn't really for a quarterback the worst, the worst age to be. And obviously, he's still playing at a pretty high level. Whoa, here's um, like this is not Super Bowl related, and it's not the best of sourcing. So we'll have to just wait and see. But this could be something to watch for twenty seventeen. But um, Teddy Bridgewater might not might miss the full season. Yeah, I kept hearing stuff like that, and I, I was hoping that it was wrong. But, man, that's – somebody have to be out for that long, then you might as well say they might not come back ever. Yeah, because that's – I mean, that's two years for a knee injury. I mean, I know those are – I mean, it's not – you know, I'm not trying to minimize a knee injury or a torn ACL or anything like that. I know that's a pretty serious deal, but, you know, you we see people – we see players come back from it. You know what? What is it, about nine months now, for just your average run-of-the-mill torn ACL? That's about right. Normally, you know, I just Man, I don't know. That's, that's a long time. What, a, what is that? Nerve or something? He has nerve problems or something? Well, didn't it like, like wasn't like the, it was, like it was. It was a bad enough knee injury, like, at the time, like, they thought, like, the entire muscle was disconnected or something like that. Not just, like, the tendons torn, but, like, the muscle was disconnected from his bone. I mean, it was something really extreme like that. I mean, like, he really, like, you know, was a centimeter away from, you know, amputation level type injury. I mean, it was that bad. So, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't, it's, it's like I say, it's not the best of sourcing on the report. So it will stay tuned and see what happens, but man, that would suck. I feel bad for the Vikings. I was kind of excited for that team this year and they got off to a hot start without him, you know, piece, piecing it together. And then man, they just, all the injuries just caught up with them after that. And Noah Turner was like, deuces. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) Nobody's hired Norv. I noticed the. I, I, I guess uh, all the coordinator jobs are filled, but I noticed nobody hired Norv Turner this year. Not for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like what we said on this little podcast is is a uh, had some kernel of uh, knowledge to it, Stephen. Well, just a tad bit, just a little bit. We might know what we're talking about from time to time. We might, you know. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, broken clocks too. So you know, I wouldn't give us too much credit, but <laughs> well, I did look at my, I was, I was looking back at my picks um, for the playoffs in this season. So yeah, it, it, I, I, for me at any rate, it might be at least 50% broken clock theory. <laughs> <laughs> I did get beat by a computer, but co- computers are very good. Hey man, didn't a computer beat all of us? I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we don't have a parody account to get beat by this year. So. Right, right. <laughs> Thankfully. I saw, I did see our good friend PFT commenter banned from Super Bowl Media Day. What? No way. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was joking. <laughs> Why did they ban him? I don't know, man. I can't. Like, that seems crazy. I know, but I know he was acting crazy. But you know, everybody does a Super Bowl week. Well, I, it's like there's people. I mean, at Media Day, dressed like Spider Man, right? Stuff like that. I don't get it. I mean, it's oh, let's see what happens. Um, Media Day is always like I, yeah, that's Monday. That's Monday night. It's not like this is the second year now where I, it's you know, remember it used to be like all day Tuesday, like during the day, and now it's prime time because they can sell tickets for it yep they're gonna charge you for it i can't wait till the controversy tuesday about how many people were at media day we'll see what the alternative facts say about media day attendance this year yep um media day is really not like i can't remember anything interesting about media day last year but i think if anyone could make media day interesting this year it's martellus bennett yeah he and his brother seem to have a gift of gab um i saw um his brother on some interviews um michael bennett at the pro bowl yeah this weekend so those guys are both fun guys to talk to so uh and you know there's, there's not a whole lot to pick from when you talk about the patriots because the Patriots' way is to be as boring as possible, it seems. So you know he'll be he'll be standing out from that uh, perspective anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that will be kind of interesting because the Patriots are pretty well like nobody nobody takes the thunder out of a media session. I mean, like the media sessions are the most enlightening things in the world anyway. But nobody ruins them like the Patriots. I mean, it's some. It's some talking point, bland, white bread talking points. It's about as bland as it gets. So that'll be interesting to have Martellus Bennett in the middle of all that. Again, he got his cake last week, though. I said he got his cake. He said he, said he was going to go home after they won the AFC Championship and bake himself a cake and write, you're awesome on it. But he didn't have the stuff <laughs> to make a cake at home. And so some local bakery made him a little cake, and I saw him a picture of him eating the cake um, as one piece. Which, I mean, <laughs> if, you know, if you're going to have a cake, I mean, if it's just a cake for you, I mean, why wouldn't you? Right, it's for you, literally. That's right. I, <laughs> I mean, who among us hasn't eaten cake off the platter in the refrigerator with a fork by ourselves? I mean. Let's not let's not pretend we're in glass houses or anything here. Yeah, not. <laughs> I will say, I cake. I like cake out of the refrigerator much better than out of the oven. I think cake's better when it's cold. I don't know. Yeah, we, we're gonna have to fight on that one. <laughs> like, I think the microwave is the most underrated invention of all time <laughs> because you just warm up whatever you want to, whenever you want to. I'm used to bake. All kinds of stuff. Every holiday. Um, caramel cake was my favorite. Uh-huh. And you take that caramel cake and you put it in the microwave for about 12 seconds. Woo! Oh, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. Right, look, I'm just diametrically opposed to cold <laughs> cake at this point. <laughs> man, we used to get... Have- Agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this will be our podcast version of pie versus cake on Twitter or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, or a <laughs> hot dog or salad. So, I mean, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, man, that does sound good, though. 
I mean, I, I'm not going to complain about a cake anyway. I get it, whatever temperature it is. I'll I'll just be honest with you right there, unless it's got coconut on it. Right. You know what? Now see, we, we're good on that. I'm I'm definitely not a coconut guy either. So and, and and quite honestly, if I saw some cold cake, I'm not going to turn it away. Well, yeah. <laughs> not I. I'm I'm not going to disrespect cake like that. That's right. You know, okay, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, coming together. Coming together. See? It can be done. It's possible. It's possible. There's hope for this fractured world yet. Um. Man, what else? I feel like there's always like with one game, it's hard. But it, there's you know there's always ends up being a lot more to talk about than you realize with with the Super Bowl. Um, any any players in particular you're looking forward to watching this week or in this game? I guess. Um. Well, uh, I thought that it, uh, they might have some fun with the. Um, What's the guy who got the DUI in Arizona? Um, Michael Floyd. Michael Floyd. I, th- I thought they might do some fun things with him. And then he was deactivated last game. So, um, you know, if he plays, I, you know, I I can see them kind of using him in the same way they would use Grunk uh, in the slot and stuff like that or, or, you know, line them up out wide and just using that size advantage. Um but you know, uh, also have to give a uh, shout out to Rasheed Hageman, who was the most unlikely winner of Hoss of the Week probably there's ever been. Um, but you know, if he could play the same way or or, or a little bit better against uh, the Patriots as he did against um, the Packers, he really could be an X factor in this game because what we always talk about. Um, the thing that's going to give Tom Brady uh, problems is pressure up the middle. Yeah. Right up in his face. He's not the most mobile guy. He doesn't like, you know, he will stand in the pocket and deliver, but he doesn't like doing it, you know, because he, because it hurts. And so if, you know, if the, the Falcons can get some pressure up the middle without having a blitz, that's even better. I, I think they're going to blitz as well, but you know, if Rasheed Hegeman can have another big day, he could have a huge impact on the game. So, those are a couple guys that I probably, you know, would like to keep my eye on. Like I said, who knows if Michael Floyd will even be activated for the game. But if he is, you know, I, I expect him to do some fun things with him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, yeah, that's going to be – Atlanta's – I'm looking forward – and I'm looking forward to reading more this coming week about the matchup because it's going to be interesting how they game plan. Because that Falcons offense is pretty tough to game plan for. It is. They just have so many weapons. They have so many weapons. And, uh, you know, with the, the Steelers last week, they were able to take Antonio Brown out of the game by and large because, uh, you know, Bell got hurt. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bell was running pretty well before he came out of the game. And what happened is that uh, I think the Steelers kind of figured out what, what the, the Patriots were trying to do. And so the, the Steelers responded by kind of spreading them out a little bit um, getting one of those inside linebackers out of the box and then running the football. But, you know, they couldn't do it the same way with uh, uh, the back of running back um, as they could with, with Le- uh, Le'Veon Bell. And so, uh, you know, if they try that against Atlanta, yeah, sure, you can take Julio out of the game with a double team. But then what are you going to do about Muhammad Sanu? What are you going to do about Taylor Coleman out of the backfield? How are you going to stop them from running the football? And so um, it's going to be a little bit harder to game plan for them, especially, like I said, Bill Belichick is a guy who's going to game plan specifically for them anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just don't see a way that you can cover everybody. No, because, I mean, hell, even, you know, like – just the duo of Tevin Coleman and uh, Devonta Freeman. Yeah, I mean, when those guys get going, you're in trouble. Yeah. And they and, can both run the football, and they have, you know, got Alex Mack in front of them uh, playing great football at center. Mm-hmm. The offensive line has worked really well together. And so, um, you know, like I said, it, it's going to be hard on the Patriots this this uh 
the Super Bowl. I'm not picking the Falcons per se yet. Like uh, they're my tentative winner. <laughs> I still have to look back and make sure, but um, I, I just keep saying to myself, they're going to be playing on turf inside perfect conditions. And do I believe that the Patriots without Gronkowski can keep pace with the Falcons? I'm just, I, I have a hard time saying yes to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And, and like we said earlier, the Patriots defense has been solid, but it's not. I mean, the secondary is really, it seems like, I guess, with the Patriots defense, the secondary is probably the strength of that group. But it's not a unit that just, like, wows you with the, you know, like, a, it's it's not like, you know, even the Texans with Merciless and Clowney up front or anything like that. Right. They just work really well together. Yeah. That, that's what stands out so far on film to, them, uh, to me about them is that, they work well together. I guess Alex Mack, that might have been, that might get my vote for free agent acquisition of the year last year. I can't, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to think of anyone. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a selection bias because there's only two teams left, but, and the Patriots do their thing with free agency the way they do their thing. But it's a, like that Alex Mack edition really, I mean, that seemed to be kind of the keystone I mean, that offense was good last year, and anytime you got Julio Jones on the field for you, you're going to be able to rack up some yards. But, I mean, that really kind of brought it all together. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, he just, you know, really solidified that offensive line. And uh, when, when you can block for Matt Ryan, he can pick other, the other team apart. Yeah. <laughs> A Cleveland cast-off, one of several, one of several former Browns players and coaches who will be in the Super Bowl this week, next week. <laughs> uh, we have a post about that on the website, and the, Jason Kirk, our college football editor, wrote it. Um, it's just funny because it starts off, the Cleveland Browns, a Rust Belt football team that is failing very badly. <laughs> I keep thinking every time someone mentions Alex Mack or Taylor Gabriel or obviously the old Belichick Browns stuff, I can always come back to that. Oh, if you couldn't laugh. If you can't laugh at it, what can you do? Yeah, that. but the Mack signing, and what did they – I mean, it's not even – like they didn't even sign him to like a massive con. Five-year – I mean, it's big, five-year, $45 million dollars. In twenty-eight and a half, I, I guess that's a pretty good deal for a center. Oh yeah, they they gave him good money now. I mean, look, the Cleveland Browns are the Browns, and I understand everybody's going to take shots at them. But you know, whether it works out or not, their plan was to well, yeah. blow up the team and start all over. Yeah. So it's it's not like you know they didn't no. think he was a good player or something. I, I'm pretty sure they, they, they thought he was a good player. They just didn't want to pay that much money for him. Yeah. Now, I, if I was them, I would have probably paid him whatever he wanted. But, you know, it, they're, they're very transparent in their approach to this whole thing. So it's not like, you know, they were talking about trying to win a, a championship last year while they were dumping all their veterans, you know. So it, it is what it is. Their, their loss was absolutely Atlanta's game however and um you know like I said I think that's been that key acquisition like you said to kind of solidify everything and now there's there's just not many if any weak spots you can point to on their offense Mm -hmm. no Jake Matthews has really become a pretty solid tackle too I know he you know in a (laughs) it's been a rough few years for first round offensive tackles, but you know, Jake Matthews has definitely kind of bucked that trend. Yeah, he kinda got off to a rough start, I thought, uh last year, but he, he looks he looks the part now. Yeah. For sure. You um, know, another former Cleveland player that's been kind of a, a, a good little pickup for Atlanta is Taylor Gabriel. But you know, he's a guy too that wouldn't have made much sense for the Browns to keep you know what I mean they had receivers and obviously given their ever-shifting quarterback landscape it's probably you know 
you know, a complimentary wide receiver like that is probably not really, you know, at the top of their needs list or anything. But he's been a, he's had a huge impact for Atlanta this season. Listen, <clears throat> I, I watched Gabriel on, on film several times for Cleveland. First of all, he's small. So um, in this era of big wide receivers, he, you know, he's small, he's short. Um, he's really fast. But in Cleveland, the dude couldn't catch. Like, it seems like he couldn't track the football well down the field. Mm-hmm. He'd be wide open, and he just, like, he would just lose the football. Or, or it would go through his hand. And so he didn't play all that great. I, I think, to me, um, the emergence of Taylor Gabriel says more about uh, Raheem Morris than anything else. Here's a guy that's coached uh, defensive football pretty much yeah. his whole coaching career, has been a head coach. They asked him last year to, to go over on the other side of football and coach wide receivers. And all he does is go there and do a fantastic job with, with a group that, you know, they needed to step up and, 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 and do their fair share. You look at uh, the Steelers last week. Once you took Antonio Brown out the game, the, it was over because they didn't have any help. Now, like I said, um, one of the most dangerous things about Atlanta's offense is that anybody can go off on any given day. I think Gabriel had a game where he had, what, like 200 yards receiving or something like that. So, you know, <clears throat> when even your role players can have big days, it makes it a lot harder on the defense to try to defend that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at his stats. Now. He's, I mean, six touchdowns for a role. You know, that's a lot of touchdowns for, you know, a guy that's, what, the third wide receiver in that bunch? And that's, and that's an offense where the backs, ca- I mean, Coleman and Freeman catch a, a shitload of footballs too. And that's, I mean, man, that's just amazing. I just, like, it's crazy how widely distributed the passes are. And Julio Jones is the only receiver, on, only one on that team that topped 1,000 receiving yards. But, I mean, it's just like there's almost a dozen guys with at least 20 receptions. I mean, from the tight ends to the running backs, it's just to the. I mean, it's just to the fullback. Yeah, you gonna stop? I mean, it's I don't know. I'm not saying Belichick can't do it because if anybody can, it's him. But it's not going to be easy. That's who you'd pick, and that's kind of funny because you know we've had this conversation, and everybody has in the past about the Patriots because the Patriots now, obviously, with Gronkowski, like you said earlier, it's easier to do that. A little more so, but you know the Patriots are always in that. Like, okay, you can take away the seam route, but then you got to defend the underneath stuff with Amendola and Edelman. And you could take maybe you take away Edelman, but then you got a Chris Hogan on the outside, or Garrett Blount, or Deion Lewis, or somebody. It's always it's always a different offensive guy stepping up and making and and and, and making the plays for the Patriots from week to week. It seems like too. Yep. Fascinating. It's the, the similarities between these two teams are kind of fascinating in a way. At least in terms of how many different guys that can get it done on offense. Oh man! And I guess we'll and we'll get together next week and do this again and get into the matchups a little bit more. But when we have everybody's had a chance to kind of dig into the meat and potatoes of the of what the all 22 has got to say here. Cause I suspect that's where it's going to get real interesting. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, um, from what I've watched so far, you know, some things kind of, I wouldn't say shocked me, but, um, maybe I hadn't noticed and it's kind of got me rethinking some things about who I'm going to pick in this game. So, um, the honest guy don't lie. And, you know, yeah, I'm really going to let that kind of lead me towards who I think really is going to win this game because it doesn't, you know, stats and stuff don't matter. What matters is how they're going to match up on Super Bowl Sunday. And the only thing that's going to really tell you that is film. Yeah. So. Yeah, that should be interesting. I saw that the the, uh, the Patriots already have requested, like, the high-walled <laughs> practice facility in Houston. I the Falcons are practicing at UH and I forget the name of the place the Patriots are practicing, but they, they 
had requested to have the offices closed that overlooked the practice field at the university where they're practicing. Now, look, <laughs> that's, I think, what you call projection. Um, that, that's a word that we're hearing a lot here lately for yeah. various reasons. But um, I think that's project. Look, it, how funny is it that the coast has been caught you know, spying on other teams is the most paranoid head coach <laughs> in the whole NFL, right? That, that has to be something that kind of goes hand in hand. Oh, Everybody yeah. else doing it, so they're trying to do it to me, so I'm going to do it to them. I bet you at the root of it, that's that's part of it, but it's just funny to me that a guy that's actually been caught red-handed is the guy asking for the high walls and probably don't want any flyovers and stuff. <laughs> they're trying to call, um, you know, and have the 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 traffic the traffic control people get keep their airplanes away too. So <laughs> that's just fun, so funny to me. Yeah, well, it's always it's always the cheater that's the most worried about cheating. That's kind of a that is that's pretty funny, and it's funny in the age of drones where like literally every kid in America got a drone with a video camera on it for Christmas this year. <laughs> and the ones that aren't stuck in an oak tree somewhere. <laughs> or, or broken because they sort of are fragile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, yeah, you pulled out that. Of course, somebody like my granny got my kid one and we pulled it out of the box. And I'm like, man, there's there's at least $5 worth of plastic on this thing. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> and yeah, it took about five minutes to get that stuck in the tree too, so. <laughs> if Santa Claus skips our house next year, I would not be surprised. Oh man, it's a uh, have you ever been to Houston? Yeah, I actually went there the last time they had a Super Bowl. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> nice. I the only time I've ever been there was has been for the uh, the meeting last year where the Rams relocated. So I don't hold it against Houston. So there's that. Right, and I was stuck out in the suburbs for that one. So I'm. It sounds like a pretty cool place for a Super Bowl, though. I I think folks there will have a good time. It seems like. Well, the the thing of it is that the city is so spread out. Yeah. So like a lot of people, I remember last time they were complaining about, um, you know, just how how far things were to get to, but the traffic wasn't too bad, and I didn't I didn't mind at all. There's so many different kinds of things to do. In Houston, man, you know, it's almost impossible not to have fun if you want to have fun. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's, that is for sure. It's a, it'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Um, be all kinds of, I mean, we haven't even really, like, you know, all the prop bets will start coming out. All the weird prop bets will start coming out next week. Um, what I, who's that? Oh, Lady Gaga is the halftime show. That's it's going to be hard to, um, was it Beyonce last year that did the halftime show or was it the year before? I don't even remember. I don't either. I still like, I would still put the Prince halftime show as the best. Yeah. I think that's what most people pick. I went back. I saw that Michael Jackson one again the other day. That was pretty impressive too. You forget me. People forget just what a fucking great, musician and performer michael jackson was yeah you know there were so many other story storylines with him that um it sometimes it's kind of hard to focus on just how much of a musical genius he was so Mm -hmm. yeah they always have that was the year they started like every year doing like that mega star for the super bowl you know what i mean the michael jackson beyonce level type singers for the halftime show which is pretty amazing i wonder how that i bet that's rough for a player though though because in i mean the halftime shows it takes the halftime's half an hour for the super bowl as opposed to just 15 minutes that's got to be weird from a player perspective huh probably but you know it's not a bad thing necessarily Uh, usually the halftime's always so fast that everything's so rushed yeah so just knowing that you can kind of relax for a second and catch your breath and, and kind of uh, get your mind right, 
it might be a good thing for some mm-hmm. team. Yeah, and uh, something to, it'll it'll be something to watch, and the fireworks and all the other stuff they do with the. I guess they'll have the the roof open or closed. I'll have to make a note of that. That's something people will be interested to read about on the internet, Stephen. <laughs> that's the weird minutia shit that people like to click on, and that's fine. I'm happy to deliver that for folks. I I'm here to please. So uh, that's uh, let's see what else. The only other thing really on the radar besides the Super Bowl is the less than Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl coming up this week in Atlanta. Did you watch the skills contest last night? I did not. I didn't get to see it. I watched a little bit of it. It was okay. I mean, like it was, it was entertaining. I mean, I just like that's to me. That's like, well, they got to just do more of that for the Pro Bowl because it's kind of what you know. It's like the touchdown celebrations and sack dances and stuff like that. That people, you know, that's the stuff fans like to see. They like to see you like to see your favorite players acting crazy when they do stuff like that. It's fun. So why not give give them a chance to do more of that? Catch. Catch a football from a drone 150 feet or whatever it was up in the air. I mean, and then nobody nobody tore their ACL or rolled their ankle. So it's a win-win. Right. And, and I think, um, you know, really they used to do a bunch of that fun stuff anyway. The, yeah. You know, the strongman competition and all that stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, the one guy from uh, the running back, they ended up tearing up his knee playing volleyball, oh. like beach volleyball, some yeah. robbery, somebody. Anyway, I think he, you know, that injury kind of um, scared them off from doing that after mm-hmm. that. And so, uh, you know, I'm glad to see that they're, they're getting back to it because that's what the Pro Bowl is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about having fun. It's not supposed to be this, you know, competitive game. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're going to win something for it. For real, I, you know, I, I told you, I, I, I just, it's so funny to me that the same people that yell, they need to give better effort. They need to go harder for me to watch. Then turn around and, oh my God, they hurt so and so in a Pro Bowl. He should never play in the Pro Bowl again. <laughs> I mean, make up your damn mind. And somebody got hurt last year. It was a uh, selling the, the tight end. Yeah. Or for, no, uh, Eifert, wasn't it? Eifert, Tyler yeah. Eifert for uh, the Bengals. But I mean, you know, I'm not going to say that he got hurt specifically because guys are giving some kind of great effort that they used, didn't used to. Yeah. But I mean, just what, that's what you're asking for, though. You know, you're asking for guys who've been thrown together for a week and haven't practiced real hard at all to go out there and, and, and go hard. Mm. And if you do, somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. So maybe this fun stuff, you know, doing stuff like, like you said, the drone drop or whatever would get people to back off yeah and just enjoy the moment yeah exactly let them do that let them do all the the three pump end zone celebrations they want nobody ever that's that's really what you want to see (laughs) yeah i mean nobody ever nobody ever ripped an acl on three on a third pump i mean it's just facts you can look it up yep (laughs) <laughs> Wikipedia. I seen it. Seen it. <laughs> oh man, Stephen, uh, that's that's quite a lot of Super Bowl talk, and we'll uh, get back together next week and dig into the matchups a little more. What do, what do you say? Sounds good to me. All right. 